First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive to win these expensive. I got expensive to win these expensive. I've been reading all the work. And I've been shutting down the stars. Yeah. When it rains and it pours. Yeah. And I'm ready for some more. Yeah. And I've been reading all the work. Yeah. And I've been shutting down the stars. And welcome to this episode of Put That Coffee Down. This is the Freight Sales Podcast for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host as always here as we talk about sales with Lars Ward. He's a VP of Business Development over at Freightvana, new startup uh, freight brokerage company uh, based out of Phoenix, Arizona. And we're going to talk about really the importance of sales and marketing as a uh, a new business, whether that's a startup or bootstrapped or however you want to describe it, uh, is it's really about the importance of sales and marketing, and probably a little bit about goal setting for 2023 because we were talking about that before I hit record. So I'm sure that'll creep up a, a little bit. But with no further ado, Lawrence, welcome to the show. Kevin, what is going on? Thank you for having me. You bet. I feel like Any I've been time. a uh, a long time listener, first time caller on put that coffee down. <laughs> Well, we were having a really great talk. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, my hope is we didn't leave it at all out in the field. Uh, before I know we it, right? We've got a, we've got a secret podcast nobody's going to know about where we were just chopping it up and having a great conversation. So I know, I know, but we, we still have a lot more to, to talk about. <laughs> we can all handle to what we were just getting into. This is going to be good stuff. So no, sincerely, <laughs> sincerely appreciate the invitation and, and looking forward to getting into it. Yeah. So you were at Night Swift before you you made the hop over to uh, Freightvana, correct? Yeah, that's right. I got my start in transportation at Night Swift. I started in 2012. I started as an account manager. And like a lot of folks who have turned transportation into a career, I got started, fell in love, and have grown over the years. So I uh, started in account management uh, later, about six months into my career, led a team of account managers, probably uh, about 15, 20 folks. And I did that for for about a year, um, did another account management role that was really exciting. I was our first on-site account manager for a very large CPG company. And after doing that for about a year, I made the jump into sales and have been in different kinds of sales uh, and sales leadership roles ever since. And then before joining Freyvon, as you mentioned, uh, I left Night Swift with about 20 other uh, folks to do something a little bit different. Yeah. I, so, so 2012, number one, right, is, is I was yeah. talking to Shannon last week or maybe earlier this week. I don't even know what day of the week it is. It's Tuesday. So it was late last week. Uh, and he got in the business in 2012. Nice. We, we started I, around the same time. Yeah. He, he's, he's got me beat by a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we, we, maybe a great year for transportation, I guess, right? Uh, it must have been because fun fact is I started in transportation in 2012 as well. No kidding. We need to get some Letterman jackets. I, I know, right? The, the class of 2012. <laughs> Do alumni network. Of, yeah, it, yeah. 
and, and certainly transportation, it's like the Godfather, right? It's like the mob, you yeah. know, that just pulls me back in. I can't get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in New Jersey for, pulls me for, about, for about five years. So, so the mob references work for me. I, uh, I'm tracking <laughs> with that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so 2012, Freight Vana, uh, you guys are about a year and a half old. Is that right? Yeah, so we got started in, in June the pandemic, right? Of, what was that? Uh, June. Oh, 20, yeah, in the like, like middle of the pandemic. No, it, you know, talk talk about a an interesting time to yeah. get started. I mean, this is. I remember our first day getting together with a group of about 20, 22 folks, a pretty large founding team. Um, mm-hmm. You know, still folks wearing masks. Not everyone's maybe been know, vaccinated or, or at least maybe earlier on in that. And uh, life really hadn't returned to normal in many regards. And then from a personal standpoint, and for everyone who else joined, uh, it's not really a normal phase of life to join a startup pre-revenue day one. Um, so it's a really, really cool um, journey that we've been on in the last year and a half. What, what the business is today feels uh, very different from what the business was uh, back then. So yeah, about a year and a half old. And Today, we are one of the fastest growing uh, freight, tech, uh, logistics, brokerage companies, however you really want to categorize us. Um, but we're one of the fastest growing, and it's it's been really, really exciting and rewarding to be a part of. You know, I mentioned starting with 20-some-odd folks, uh, and today we're a lot closer to about 100. Uh, so in a short amount of time, we've done some, we've done something pretty cool. It is. It is really cool. And I have this question because I've been through this environment now. Um, 2019, I started at Freight Waves. I think I was, there's 50 employees at the time. Yeah. Close to 200 now. Um, <laughs> but but that year and a half, let's just take a year and a half. Time moves so fast because the business yes. moves so fast. It's just like you, you go into a time, we used to joke around a lot because um, it was like we went, went into a time warp. And... Um, and just time just moves so fast. When you, when you said, you know, it's a completely different place a year and a half later. You know, if, it's if amazing. Years were, were dog years. Startup yes. years are, are, are dog years in, in, in quite the same way. You know, and I think about my professional career, how you would think about your day or your week, your month or quarter, however you were trying to punctuate that time, what was accomplished, what your goals were, what your objectives were, throw that old playbook out. That, that won't work in a startup. You need to have a different kind of agility to be a part of a fast growing and fast scaling business. And it's just, it, you, you've, you've been in the trenches, you've seen that. Uh, and if you haven't, it's really hard to understand or appreciate. It really is. It, it is so hard to understand. It's like the, those, those annual goals or those monthly, uh, yeah. it goes down to an annual is equal to maybe two days. And uh, and a monthly's you know weekly goals down to an hour, right? I mean, that's just how much things are changing and evolving, and, and growing. I mean, it's it's hard to describe as you, as you said. You know, I think for everyone who's listening, I'll I'll share a moment that I think might might put you into into that mindset or into what that experience really is like. So on our day one, we uh, we shared you know some stories with our founding team. Uh, some of our hopes, some of the things that we would like to accomplish. We did that around a conference table. You know, uh, I had picked up some coffee and donuts beforehand. Someone else had brought over some orange juice, right? Just imagine a Monday morning, a bunch of people in a conference room, 
who are excited um, to to go out and do something a little bit different, to, to be a part of building and scaling a company. It's, it's an incredible opportunity in your career, right? Mm-hmm. As we go around and, and we talk about what we've done, who we are, and what we're going to contribute to this team, you know, two, three hours later, we say, all right, let's go build this business. Yeah. There's no, <laughs> you know, and there, there was no what's next. I mean, the punchline is we started from scratch. There was no customer contracts in hand. There was no lines of code built. There was no pricing tooling. I mean, uh, for, for, for me, for sales, I had no sales stack. <laughs> I had no, I had no marketing, you know, uh, <laughs> campaigns built, no customer list ready to, to go and deploy. I mean, we started from zero. And as you can imagine, whatever your day might've looked like in a different corporate environment uh, is totally different uh, than what it looks like in a startup environment. So a ton of fun, uh, but a lot of hard work. I, I think one of the, the, the other things too is, is, you know, the people who succeeded that I saw succeed, you know, that they created yeah. their own job. Though the people who didn't yeah. succeed in that environment uh, were always wanting to be told what to do and for some system to be put in place where they could operate within it instead of building everything from scratch. I mean, because you can get hired in to do X and you end up doing Y just because you created it. You created it and you, you, you have to create your own head. job. No, no one no one in a startup is going to come and, well, maybe this isn't totally true, right? But especially early on, no one is going to come and tell you uh, what to do, how to do it. There is no paint by numbers. You've got to be a dynamic individual who can deal with the uncertainty, who can deal with the ambiguity, um, and who really thrives in that environment, who thrives mm-hmm. in finding uh, the ability or the opportunity to create. And if you're a builder at heart, like if that's something that gets you excited to show up for work, there's nothing better than being a part of a company that's fast growing and scaling. But if not, you won't be successful. Full stop. I'd say it to you this way. There's a lot of folks who, you know, as you think about talent or as you think about growing and adding to teams like this, there's a lot of folks I've worked with who, uh, who have done good work in, in the jobs that they've been in, but would be very, very unhappy mm-hmm. and would not be successful in a startup environment. Doesn't mean that they can't contribute or, 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 or add value in their work product, but absolutely not the right fit for a startup. And, and that's very true, right? They're, they're good people. They do great yeah. work, but not in that environment. Yes. It's, it's the same as if I went to a uh, established corporate large company uh, where I had to stay in my lanes. Yeah. Most of the time, I would be a disaster. I would be just as much a disaster as, as what we're describing for, for people who, who need that, right? Who need that structure. I, would, I, I wouldn't last. I think having that self-awareness. I, I think I've been in those positions, and I don't last more than yeah. a year because they hate me, and I uh, not hate. But, you know, we just know <laughs> that, that, you know, you're not the right person for this. I'm like, I am so bored to death. They might hate you a little place. bit. That's okay. Uh, maybe a little bit. Maybe. No, Maybe. But, but it's funny because I've thought about folks who, you know, and this is such a great question for, for a professional salesperson. Am I successful because of the makeup of my character and the way that I approach my work? Or am I successful because of a structure and a product I've, I've been uh, offering? Are you, you know successful that reminds me of the system or are you successful? Right. You know what that reminds me of? Nature versus like, nurture. Oh, yeah. 
Okay. You know, it's the same thing, right? Are you a product of your environment or you're naturally innate? And it's, it's a combination of both, right? You have to find I what do. you're good at and find that environment where you can be good at it. I, I, I really identify with that. And, you know, I gave you a, sort of a high level overview of, of some of my background and my career. You know, over the last 10 plus years, I've done a lot of customer facing roles, but um, I'd actually left Knight Swift for about a year during my, you know, almost 10 year, uh, mm-hmm. 10 years of tenure there. And, you know, the way I said this is like, I, I was there for 10 years, except for one, right? And uh, I left during Knight's acquisition of Swift Transportation. There was a lot of uncertainty, didn't know what that sales structure would look like. And it just put me in a position and in a time in life where I was open to thinking about something new. We all find ourselves in those moments. So I thought for myself, one of my goals would be, could I find myself in an environment? I'd been very successful as a salesperson at night, but could I find myself in an environment where I could go and do something new and, and repeat that success? So I went to a small, mid-sized carrier, uh, Transport America, and they've had an interesting mm-hmm. history. Great regional operator based in Minnesota. Um, they were consolidated into CFI by TFI International. And then later, that organization was acquired by Heartland. Um, yes. There's still a component of that organization that exists for their dedicated business. Their dedicated product was fantastic. All of that is to say, when, when, I, when I chose to leave Knight, I mean, a, a brand with in, an incredible reputation, um, a lot of excitement as they were acquiring Swift at the time. But, but when I left, I wanted to see if I could challenge myself, do something a little different, repeat that success uh, in, in a different environment. So I tried to go to something that was different. And that was one of the best things I ever did in my career. Mm-hmm. Going in and finding that challenge, finding that I could apply a, that skill set to a different environment and be successful was incredibly validating. And I'm just so happy I did that in my career. Everything I just shared with you about that story applies tenfold to coming into an environment like Freight Bona. Yeah. Because in those roles, I was an individual contributor. I was going into another individual contributor role, was successful in both of those. Um, but then going into this role with Freight Bona and having that leadership responsibility to build a sales org from the ground up, I mean, again, just an unmatched, unrivaled sort of career moment. Sounds good. It sounds yeah. like you, yeah. you have to have those experiences, right? You have to take those risks. But if um, I wasn't a person who, who could who could be successful in that dealing with the ambiguity, dealing with the uncertainty, mm-hmm. who isn't agile and nimble into how I approach my work, I would have failed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You've got to you've got to be able to identify with, with a salesperson. Are they, you know, do they really approach it as this, you know, business development pro or are they really a system seller? Are they, mm-hmm. are they great at delivering something that the system is uh, has produced or can they kind of produce on their own? Yeah, those are the, the and then there are two, as we we're saying, right? Those are two different skill sets. And yeah. it's something that when you build a sales team, you, you have to evaluate. You, you have to look for, um, because they can, they can both be self-starters, right? That They can both have yes. the, the same yeah. labels that, that we place on that. But... Uh, there is a difference, and it's it's intangible. Yes, you're 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 nailing the point there. There's a lot of nuance, um, but when you really when you really review how a person 
is motivated and you find the right alignment for that, you're going to see people thrive, right? Mm-hmm. You are. That is, uh, that is the way you, you see that. So with that said, let's talk about sales and marketing, how important that is to a startup. Freight brokerage is a little bit different when you're a startup because it's all about the customers, right? It's a sales and marketing organization with tech behind it. You have traditional, whether it's freight tech or anything else, that um, might put a poor, more premium on getting the tech right before they take it out to market. Mm. Um, but with that said, I, I think in any startup, sales cures all ills. Right. You, you, well, every company goes bankrupt because they don't make enough sales at the end of the day. I'm biased. I, I think you yeah. are. too. So yeah. I think that sales for as prioritized as it often is, is still undervalued. Uh, I, I mean, it, it can't be overstated how undervalued uh, sales and marketing sometimes is. This is the front line for the interactions of your Perspective customers and, and your current customers to interact with you, with your brand, with your business. Um, so there's there's a couple of points to maybe break down. I mean, first on on the technical sale, um, nobody wants to go out and sell a piece of vaporware. I want to have uh, the I, I want to have the right approach for the stage of business that I'm participating in for the product that we have, uh, and I think that's how the best salespeople do that. If not, you might have a flash in the pan and then a lot of unhappy customers. Not a great long-term strategy. Um, so, you know, what I'd say is we're, we're, we're kind of somewhere in the middle. We've, we've got this, I mean, we've, we've got a great freight brokerage business here. We are industry pros. We know what we're doing and we can service your freight full stop, right? We've also got this pretty interesting layer of tech and transparency that's uh, a pretty compelling and differentiated part of our approach. I think we fit neatly into this subcategory of tech Ford freight brokers who have this extra offering to shippers. That's absolutely critical. Um, but we're still sensitive along the way to being a startup freight brokerage and selling the right way at the right stage of our tech offering. So I think that's kind of the way I think about it because you're always so, yeah. going to have to wrestle with <clears throat> What, where, what do you want to be selling and, and what, what are you actually able to deliver an offer? There's always Everything's a work policy. in progress. Absolutely. Everything's a work in progress. I, I think that's, that's, that's kind of where I was going with that. And there's something I've been saying of late, um, and I might be saying that a whole lot in 2023, uh, is perfection is the enemy of profitability. Ooh. Perfection is the enemy of sales as well, right? And you said it, everything's a work in progress. So so you build something that will sell and you start going out and selling it. And then it's a work in progress. So you're building as you're selling. So yes. you're not selling vaporware. <clears throat> you're selling a dream in a lot of ways, <clears throat> but something that works now and taking that journey with the customer onto what it could be and what it well, should and then, be in the future. And so now let's tie that back into the marketing element of it. Marketing and I, mm -hmm. I don't want to about brand positioning, uh, perceived brand value, customer value proposition. These are all sort of components of the same conversation. Most procurement professionals, most buyers are in part buying a brand. Sure, what I can actually go and deliver is critically important. The mm -hmm. service, the price, the communication, the experience, all of those things are absolute requirements in, in, in freight. Uh, but the brand, 
the story, the narrative. Our buyers are also buying that as well. Mm -hmm. I've got a lot of shippers who have said, hey, we're cheering for you. We're rooting for you. That's an interesting experience for me. I haven't well, had a, that, as, you know. In, yeah, that's another fun, fun, yeah. fun place that, that startups are, or your customers are often cheering for you. Yeah, <clears throat> and they're 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 bought into that dream as well, and it's 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 nice. It's a nice. We, position we've to be been in. able to create champions with a handful of customers, uh, champions of us, our narrative, our story, our brand. Um, that's really really. Uh, it's compelling. And what's amazing about it is, you know, it's maybe a hard to measure ROI, but the impact is significant. When mm-hmm. you have when you have customers who become champions, who become references, you know, we've got a handful that we joke with that they're some of the best salespeople on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've um, sort of coordinated it, uh, and, and other folks on my team have as well, uh, referral calls with, with shippers that we're not on that I'm not a part of. This is an incredible resource uh, to be able to have champions like that, advocates of our brand, advocates of our story uh, that go and help us sell in the marketplace. So sure, you you know, I think again, the table stakes are this, we've got to deliver uh, on the product we sell, but I think a lot of companies underestimate creating this attractional brand that folks want to be a part of and they want to support. You are exactly right on that. You really are. And it takes me to to, to this question that, that I'll pose for you now. Okay. Is, you know, creating the tech, creating the, the, the need, creating the operations, whatever that product is. Or building the market, building the audience, which is more difficult. Because I, w- I would say that they're both difficult, right? And number one, they're both difficult. But I think a lot of people underestimate that sales and marketing side. They're like, I am going to build the best mousetrap and everyone's just going to rush in, build it and they will come, right? Which is uh, a disastrous strategy. <laughs> because building that that user base, building that sales, building that brand, which all those components that, that you mentioned that you listed off, right? What right. is a brand? It's, it's usually a one word or two word um, term for that visualizes all of those good and bad parts of, of a business, right? It's, it's that brand. It's that logo. Um, it's that badge, as yes. I say, I think in Britain, that badge, right? And, um, and I, I think a lot of, especially tech companies, that mm-hmm. they under, undervalue building that, that, that sales and marketing, bu- building that user base. Because that, oftentimes that's, even more difficult than actually building the product or the tech. So you, you've, you've, you set the stage really, really well. Um, I'll say it this way. I, I don't like to make a bet on the parts of the workflow that I'm not responsible for. Because I had this <laughs> argument with my CTO, Don, he's a good buddy of mine, a yeah. lot, right? Where it's easy to say, I want to sell something that does this, this, and this. If I can solve these problems, I can sell it like hotcakes, right? Uh, but I think that there is this sort of product-led sales, you know, motion that is developing within freight tech where the product is just so good that it really is building its audience organically. But I think if we, if we really look at what freight brokerage is specifically, 
it's not going to be a product-led sort of sales motion. You're never going to go away with outbound sales and marketing campaigns and mm -hmm. brand you know, propositioning. But I think there is a space that sort of lives in the middle where you get the virtuous flywheel of a great sales you know, flow that informs product decisioning and increases the audience and then the product and you iterate and you get better mm -hmm. and better. And, you know, now you've got champions and fans from your customer base and they're able to get more and more customers. I mean, that's the dream state, right? Like, that is, yes. You, you, you bring it together well. But if I had to answer your question, not that you're holding me <laughs> to a lot of pressure on it, I'd say building the audience in, in, in logistics and supply chain is more difficult. And here's why. We operate in one of the most uh, competitive industries uh, out there. We have such fragmentation. We have so many kinds of solutions. And a lot of buyers have fatigue around the number of partners that they might choose to work with. I was listening to one of, one of your episodes and you know, I, I forget you know, who might have brought this point up, but how many partners do you choose to work with? That might be a somewhat arbitrary limit if we think mm -hmm. about if we think about uh, freight brokers, okay, how many tech partners do you choose to work with? Like how many visibility partners do you really need, right? You're building exactly right audience, about that. Building the audience, in my opinion, that's really hard because if nothing else, everyone is using the same messaging and claiming to solve the same problem. And that brings you to how do you really differentiate yourself, especially in freight brokers, right? So uh, you can... You can say this is how we're different, right? But you get sure. into that shopper's fatigue. You know, everyone else is saying the same thing. That's the reason why they're different, right? How do you how do you prove your differentiation? Because that's what you really have to do. You have to prove it, but it's hard to demonstrate it before you verbalize it. And that's I think that's where marketing really comes in, especially if you have a, a differentiated tech. Right, or some kind of differentiated process, procedure, strategy. You really have to, to get out, and you're talking about LinkedIn. Yeah, you, somehow you have to get out and bang your drum uh, yep. about that, and it can't start with the, the cold call it because can't. no one's going to be no one's going to be paying attention. Well, and you've got to have this defined value proposition. Okay, so you've picked up the phone. Great, you've got to have a defined value proposition that is going to stand mm -hmm. out. Now, whether this is on a one-to-one -one email, uh, a mass email campaign, if this is in cold email outreach, if you're going after SMB, if you're going after enterprise, I mean, we've got to have this clear and attractive sort of value proposition. And as we think about that balance between the, the product sale and the marketing sale, and I think of, you know, hey, like what we just said, like when you bring those two things together, there's a lot of power there. But I think for real success that comes after the initial sale. And I've, now that I've onboarded a customer, now that I'm starting to work with them, what's my ambition and my strategic roadmap for winning with that customer over a long period of time? I hope that, you know, we can build this marketing and, you know, sort of sales funnel that is so good. We can bring folks into our, into our network or really us into their network. But then, and I've seen it at our team here at Freightvana, we go and we execute, we do the business at a mm -hmm. high level, we're, we're going we're gonna to grow. There's just no doubt about it. And, you know, the other piece that, hey, I'm advantaged at at Freightvana, our entire team is wildly advantaged. We've got this great partnership with Wabash. We've been adding asset trailers to our fleet. And unlike most brokers, I mean, we have real assets on the road. Mm -hmm. These assets 
uh, don't just serve the shippers for preload and drop flexibility, but they really do serve the small carriers because they get to go and haul somebody else's trailers, right? We're giving them the keys to this very expensive piece of equipment over the road. Uh, not only is it unusual for a broker to have that, but it's unusual for a broker to have it as earlier as early as we've had it. Um, you know, so there's lots of key points of differentiation. You, you know, for us, I think we have an advantage because we can really clearly articulate why we're different. But I think for the freight brokers who are listening, you've got to be very honest. Do you have clear differentiated value? And if you don't, how do you, how do you make some? How do you how do you find that compelling case for your customers? How do you create it? Yeah. You can create it. You, you can create right. it. You, you, it might be very focused, but that's fine. I mean, it's such a big market and such a big industry. Uh, my first job as freight brokerage, uh, we, we focus on flatbed, open deck, a lot of cross-border. right? Mm. And we were always constantly kind of pressured to, to go after van loads and stuff. I'm like, we were $20, 30000000 million brokerage. Yeah. There's so much on the table. And you're solving, Why you're are we solving talking a really today? distinct problem that you're better than... 90% of your competition at solving. Yeah. So, so it's why, a huge market. We, we just barely even tapped into it. Why are we trying to diversify away? I don't want to diversify. I want to double down. I want to, to go all in huh. on, on just this. And I, I think it's, it's something that, uh, uh, you know, diversification is popular um, in, in business, but in portfolio management too. But I think, uh, I think doubling down and going all in on what you're good at and getting better at that is much less riskier than trying to be everything to everybody. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting point you bring up. I mean, there's this, you know, there's this challenge that a lot of freight brokers have where they feel like they want to be a one-stop shop. Mm-hmm. They, want, they want to be able to solve every single problem you have. And I think in doing that, they don't solve any of those problems particularly well. And they if, really don't. If you haven't, I don't know, if you haven't solved one problem really well, I don't think that that's a scalable uh, model for winning. No. So, yeah. So I, I would, I would applaud the 20, $30 million freight brokerage that's solving cross-border, uh, flatbed freight. That's difficult to source for They do a great job. They keep their customers happy and they become known as one of the best at their specialty. Like that business, yeah. I think, is, I think is a lot more exciting than maybe another freight brokerage that has, significantly more top line and less net income. <laughs> yeah. Or, 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 or more, more of both and just, yeah, or even more of both where, where you've muddied what made, what makes you great. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on the, the ownership side too, you know, I, I think a, a lot of, uh, a lot of owners who get up to 20 or 30 million, they want to diversify their ones. What makes you valuable as a target to, to others, whether that's, private sponsors, private equity, or or a strategic buyer, uh, a large player, is that specialty because they want to buy specialties that they're not good at. And by keeping that that, that, that specialty, you're increasing the value of your business. And, um, and, and that's a really good case for actually doing that. I'll give you a good example here for Yvonne and something that, uh, you know, I look back on and I really appreciate. You know, early on we've had we would have customers ask us to support their LTL freight. Uh, and that's on our roadmap. You know, we, we have ambitions to be, uh, you know, a excellent LTL provider. But we told those shippers early on um, that that's not something we're going to we're going to be great at today. And here's what we, we are great at today. Here's what we're going to focus on. And as you can imagine, 
early days in a startup, you don't want to say no. You don't want to disqualify yourself from any revenue opportunity. But I think it's that discipline uh, and that awareness of your value proposition that makes you successful. You're exactly right. That that's what you you, you have to do. You you have to stick to, stick to your guns. It's very difficult to do. It's it's that is one of the, the the big things about startups. Startups is you know extreme ADHD. You know, <laughs> trying to be all things, just trying to, to 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 make a buck to keep the doors open. You start doing things that uh, are without your outside of your focus, and you know your opportunity costs that you don't think about. You know, spike up, and that's what really. Uh, comes and bites you in, in the end in a lot of ways. Yep, you're spot on. So um, roll that into, you know, starting as, uh, you know, give us a little bit about starting a, a, a startup sales sports from scratch, kind of some of those challenges, what you learned uh, doing that over the last 18 months. Yeah, well, I think there's still plenty of learnings, but... Um... You know, today we have more structure, more definition, uh, and I think more clarity around how we win than we've ever had before. But, you know, if I were to go back day one, we didn't have a CRM. Uh, we didn't have a tool for tracking our opportunities. We didn't have any metrics for our expectations as a business. We didn't have any marketing materials. I didn't have a sales deck. And so all of those items were really built from the ground up. And I think for a lot of sales folks who might be listening, you know, these are systems and processes that you have through explicit direction or tribal knowledge and you interact with every day. But it is a really, really interesting sort of proposition to start from zero. And I think what was interesting, you know, we had, you know, a couple of sales folks, uh, our co-founder, CEO, Shannon Breen, very passionate about the sales process, uh, some great folks on our customer service team. Uh, so early on, we kind of had this all for one mentality of we're, you know, we're not shipping any freight, we're not recognizing any revenue, we're all going to go and do sales. And what's interesting is, you know, as a learning, we're kind of now going, and I feel like in reverse to add in a little bit more structure and a little bit more process into that, you know, flow. And so it, it's kind of that classic startup conversation that we were having a little bit earlier. You know, we have to be nimble. We have to be agile. What our sales flow looks like today is very different than how it was six months ago. And what I tell you is it's going to be very different again in another six months. I can guarantee you that. Guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. It's, it's going through the, yeah. Going from nothing to something, it changes yeah. constantly. I mean, You're going through a process of starting at, at true zero to building everything from the ground up and now having all of those distinct processes, systems, and expectations in place, that that has been, uh, <laughs> it's been a lot of work, but it's been a lot of fun. It is. It is strange how that, that happens. It really is. I mean, if you haven't seen, if you, if you haven't had a front row seat, uh, looking at those things it, yeah. it's fascinating it, it really is because you are you're starting out with nothing and then you're hiring people in to work a system that, that you've developed yeah. through trial and error uh, a lot of trial and error and 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 that system that, that you have is subject to change at any time because you're hitting that next plateau and peak right you're hitting that next wave up that so next wave up, next and everything wave has up. to change. 
right. things have so to change each time. Everything, everything that we've done to get us to this point is, you know, the results of this incredible change process and a lot of trial and error. Um, but now as I think about what's next, right, we're, we're close to the new year when we're recording this. I think we're dropping this episode in January, but mm-hmm. you know, we're thinking about uh, what is our 20, 2023 business development plan look like? And really, I think there's this 2.0 evolution that happens at this stage in our business because originally my sales efforts were, how do I get onboarded with a customer? Yeah. Right. And now we have this entirely new sales flow of what do I do? How do, how do I approach those customers who chose to trust us and onboard us with some part of their network, whether that's small or, or, or large? How do I go and present more value and get to grow with them uh, in the new year and to come? This is a totally new mm-hmm. you know, sales activity than what the initial activity was, right? That's one small example of all of the things that can change in this stage of business. It is, and it's constantly changing. So what got you to, to this point right now? You have to be ready to release almost all of yeah. it and start building from scratch. And it's, it's just fascinating. Um, Shannon, not Shannon, what am I talking about? <laughs> Lawrence, I was thinking about Shannon. Uh, Lawrence, uh, you know, thanks for dropping by. Uh, we're coming up here on, on 40 minutes. What, what we'll do is in January or February, we'll get you back on the show. And, um, and also on a new podcast that we're going to, or I'll be doing in 2023 called Shipper Profiles. Uh, more to come on that later. Um, but we'll get you back and we'll, we'll renew this discussion and we'll, we'll put some of it into practice. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me. I mean, we've we've been talking now for 40 minutes. We probably could have talked for four hours. Uh, we probably and- could, yes. <laughs> we probably uh, could. So, so we'll have to do something early in, in the new year and, and keep yes. it going. No, we, we definitely will. It's been fascinating. I, I've enjoyed it a, a lot. And, um, and once again, if you want to, to reach out and learn more about Freight Fauna or, or Lars himself, he's always on LinkedIn, Lars Ward. And, oh. um, and hopefully you'll make some great quality connections off of uh, this appearance. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know what I'd say to anyone who's listening, love connecting uh, with industry folks, and yeah, feel free, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn, our company page, Freight Vana. We have a lot of fun there as well. Um, so would love to have anyone reach out, find me on LinkedIn. I'll take it from there. Perfect. And to, for more episodes of Put That Coffee Down, wherever you download your podcast, uh, just hit that follow button and also give us a rating too. Uh, we can never have too many ratings. Your choice. You don't have to do five stars, but we do appreciate it. But uh, with that, that wraps it up for this episode of Put That Coffee Down, and we'll see you on the next one.